Welcome to the Midweeks. I want to talk about food. I'm doing a series thinking about culture and today I want to do something a bit more lighthearted and just think about food as it connects with culture. When um, in, in my neck of the woods in Manitoba and in the city I live in, you know, when we have kind of a culture fest or something like that, often the things that are present um, in this celebration of multiculturalism or different people groups coming together, the things that come out are um, like music and dancing as well as food. That's what, what you do. What, what, what's a culture fest mostly full of? Uh, food, different foods and different displays of like artwork, especially dancing and music. So let's talk about food. Um, food is cultural. And there's a lot of different things that can go into it. Uh, first of all, is kind of like the geography of a people group, a historical geography of a people group, if you want to think about it like this. So think about Japanese food. Uh, Japanese food is very seafood heavy. It's not exclusively seafood heavy or s- seafood, but it's very seafood heavy, especially if you think about sushi. Well, why? Well, Japan is an island, so they had huge access to or- ocean resources, not as much arable land, and their main grain was rice. Um, so less wheat and other grains that may be developed in other areas, or perhaps it was their climate. They probably had a lot of have a lot of rain there, so um, they just did really well cultivating rice. And so these are main parts of uh, cultural Japanese food, which would be seafood and rice, and wonderful, wonderful soy sauce and. Thank the Lord that he decreed in eternity past that there would be such a thing as sushi, which I love. Anyhow, you can also think about, um, you know, something like French food, which is um, a a good combination of seafood, but also of um, things like fowl and pig and things that um, are land animals, because France has a very long uh, seashore, but it's also got a lot of land. And it's in Europe and in uh, kind of the center of Europe where you can grow a lot of different things and raise a bunch of different animals. You can think of um, England, which is kind of also an island, but um, didn't quite develop uh, the uniqueness that Japan had. And, you know, English food is kind of known for being bland. And that probably has a lot to do with the fact that their climate's probably not that great for growing spices. Whereas if you go down to India, where the climate is much hotter and they had a wide variety of spices available to them, Indian food culturally, you know, just as if you go to an Indian restaurant, is known for colors and flavors and spices like crazy. And so you can just kind of see how locations, localities, um, uh, the, the, the heat in a different culture, you know, their, their average temperature and the places where these cultures developed and the kinds of foods and animals that people had access to would come together to create kind of a cultural food. Um, but also, you know, wealth can be a part of that as well. So we talked about French cuisine before and French cuisine culturally is kind of known for being kind of highbrow, kind of being like delicatessen, uh, full of richness and flavor and kind of being um, snooty sometimes, forgive me. Um, And French culture has has experienced many um, times where they have rich aristocracy, lots of wealth and people willing to um, pay lots of money to have lots of professional chefs designing and developing 
delicacies. Whereas if you know, you come over to Scotland, which I don't think has ever kind of had a time in its history where it was um, like a dominant culture um, or super, super, super wealthy. Um, what are they known for? Well, haggis and whiskey. And so, you know, they haven't kind of developed a, uh, a culture of delicatessen. Um, not to say that the food's bad, but it's just that's not where it went historically. And so you can kind of see how different histories and different geographies come together to influence and create a culture. That you can think about um, American food. Um, American food, you know, America is a hodgepodge of different cultures. But if you think, okay, what's classic American food? Well, it's typically like fast food or processed food. Um, pizzas in a box. Um, hot dogs are American. Corn dogs, which is something that you, like a hot dog, you wrap in batter and deep fry, and then you can walk around the state fair eating. That's American. Uh, McDonald's is American. Burger King is American. All these like humongous empire fast food chains coming out of America where, you know, they have a culture of uh, meat and deep fry and convenience being something that's really important to them. And, you know, you could go to a Middle Eastern culture where typically the meals are much more communal and relational and you spend more time together and um, hospitality is a bigger deal. And so, you know, when you go to fast food, you're not thinking about hospitality at all. You just want your order about five minutes after you walk through the door. You want it to gobble it down and for it to taste really, really good and then to sit there until it starts hitting your brain and then wander off after your kids are done playing in the ball pit. That's different food culture and it's much more about service, quickness, and cheapness um, than it is about relationship, time together, and hospitality. And so you can see all these, the, these are kind of like cultural values expressed in how people eat together. But there's also huge religious stuff or spiritual stuff often expressed through food. So you can think about the Jewish dietary laws or even Islamic halal rules where the um, dietary laws that are religious are, are missional. So for the Old Testament, the dietary laws from Leviticus and other books was actually designed to separate the, the Jewish people or the Israelite people from the surrounding nations. God was... Um, seeing that they were really easily influenced by surrounding nations and would quickly fall into idolatry. And one of his practical ways of causing a separation so that the influence wasn't just destroying them was to make it so that they couldn't really eat together. So certain foods run clean, certain habits run clean, the cleanliness laws came in there and made it very, very, very difficult for table fellowship unless... Um, the surrounding cultures, you know, kind of absorbed and submitted to Israelite uh, religion became Jews. And so this was um, a food thing. It was religion expressed through food. And this is what culture is. It's kind of a worldview expressed in how you live your life. It's a worldview. It's a religion externalized, as Cornelius Van Til said. Um, same with the the Muslim dietary laws, um, they, they can effectively separate people. So a recent um, situation that we came across, and there's no judgment here. I'm just explaining how it was. You know, this, there's a family that 
that is really comfortable with having people into their house where they kind of have control over the food and how it's made and what preparation techniques and what dishes the food might touch, but they aren't peaceful going to somebody else's house where they don't know because of their um, religious convictions, because of what their holy book says or their customs. And so you can see how culture is impacting not just the flavors of foods or the kinds of foods, but how people eat and who you might eat with and not eat with. And for Christians, we're a really rare kind of interaction between uh, faith, belief, and food because um, our great um, theology has two points to it. Number one, our God is the true food. Okay, so we have this theology of communion where we gather around a table and we eat bread and we drink wine or juice and we say, this is us connecting with God through the body of Christ. So the most important meal we eat is one that says, I am one with God. And that's the kind of the only exclusive meal we have is that if you come to this table, you're declaring yourself to be a Christian and you shouldn't do it if you're not a Christian, but that's about faith. It's not about um, anything else. It's about it's not about like what the food does. It's not about what the cracker does or the piece, the wafer. It's not about what the juice does or the wine. It's about like, I believe in God. And so I come to this, this table. Um, but as far as table fellowship and who you can eat with, it's completely opened. There isn't a boundary anymore. It's been removed in Christ so that, you know, if you read through the book of Galatians, Paul uh, blows up at Peter one time because Peter is backing away from having table fellowship with the Gentiles because some people from Jerusalem have come in and kind of giving them furrowed eyebrows. And so he, Paul, uh, just insists Peter by not eating with these, these fellow believers, you are denying the gospel. And he even says in 1 Corinthians that, you know, um, you're, you're fine to have table fellowship with unbelievers as well. Even if the, the meat that they've, they've bought is from a pagan temple, if they don't kind of have a problem with you eating it, go ahead and enjoy it because the earth is the Lord, the fullness thereof, and we are one with God through Christ and not through what we eat specifically. And so Christian culture is the most kind of expansive, welcoming of different foods, welcoming of you can eat kind of anything you want to, which is, you know, I guess what people need in order to eat cheese whiz. And um, you can eat whatever you want to, and you can eat pretty much with whomever you want to. One or two exceptions would be that, you know, the the scriptures would say, don't don't have a meal with somebody who's really um, denying the faith by their actions. And that's not so much about the meal as much as saying it's more important to confront somebody when they're denying Christ with their actions than to pretend like nothing's happening. Um, and to try to bring about some kind of restoration in this person. But the Christian culture of food is enjoy. It's a gift. And Jesus Christ is true food. He's what food is all about, this this act of eating something that gives you life. Um, this is a picture and a testimony and a witness of coming to Christ and spiritually consuming his gift of himself on the cross so that you can have life. So food and culture, they really do go together. Uh, the food reflects the history of a people group. The food reflects the worldview of the people group, how you prepare it, how you share it, what you do with it. It is a major part of any culture and a great way to learn about different cultures. God bless. Have a great weekend.